Good morning again, beloved sons and daughters of God, in whom your father is already well pleased. Amazing. That's kind of what today is going to be about. You know, it's, I hope today is a day of freedom. I hope today is a day of liberty, of people getting set free from the misconception that you are what you do, that sin defines you, or sin has control over you, or is a, a habit that is impossible to stop. And so uh, I've been in the crosshairs, it feels like, the last couple of weeks. Oh, that reminds me, that's good. My, my ringer's on too. So this is a cell-free zone. No, no, that was perfect. Uh, but it wasn't sin, so that's fine. So... Uh, let's pray. Father, I just thank you. I thank you that it's for freedom that you set us free, that you paid the price. You broke the power of sin and death over each one of us. And Lord, you reveal an identity that we can't even fully imagine or fully appreciate who we are in you but you are committed to that good work you're doing in each one of us to set us free into the identity that we already have in your presence. So I just ask for freedom to sweep the house. Holy Spirit, come and cleanse our hearts, purify our minds, draw us back into your presence, into your love, that we're no longer slaves to sin and the law, but we now walk in the spirit and we live by the law of love so let these words be empowering let these words break off lies and curses and bring about blessings and freedom in jesus name amen amen ho ho so hmm. i i've i've realized that I have had a struggle, and I've had many, many years of teaching and areas of the Word and layers of breakthrough and healing, uh, but the Lord has even more. And, uh, you know, I, I've heard over the years, how many of you heard the, the phrase that we are sinners saved by grace? Yeah? And there's just enough of a ring of truth in that that it kind of hooks your heart but then leaves you in this state of I'm just a perpetual sinner. I, only God's grace is, is you know, able to see anything good in me. And, uh, and that becomes an identity. So I, I want to acknowledge a couple of quick things. The Lord, isn't that great the way he uses each one of us? How needed we are in each other's lives. It's been a theme and I think it's uh, intentional of what the Lord is doing. He's drawing people into community so they can become stronger and healthier and freer than they've ever been, than anything that we could do by ourselves. So we had this amazing discussion at men's group this week, um, and just a quick side reference to the NIV, and there was a controversy when the NIV came out because they translated the word flesh to sin nature. And, uh, and then Miko's like, I, I, he hadn't even heard of that. 
And he's like, so what's the controversy? And so he looks on his phone and looks into it a little bit. And man, we had this discussion that touched on something that is the heart of what I want to share today. And then Saturday, again, Jeff did this amazing teaching about preparing for the wave. And uh, I don't ever want to lose hope. I see it. I believe it. We've heard it over and over. There is a wave coming. It's going to hit Park Rose. There's going to be uh, a great gathering. There's going to be a harvest. There's going to be sons and daughters, mother, mothers and fathers, raising up another generation of people walking in forgiveness, walking in healing, walking in their identity. Do you believe that? But you know, if we don't prepare our hearts then we could miss it. it, could, it could, it's still going to happen, but it could pass us by from what God would intend. And, and I don't want to use that as a scare tactic. I want to use that as a motivator. Like, no, God, just let me be ready. Set my heart free. What are you after in my life? And I believe for me, because of the way things have all just continued to conspire for me, not against me, he's trying to set me free. So, uh, there are a couple of moments in the preparing for the wave uh, intensive that really touched me. Uh, one of them was somebody asked, well, how do you even know what your identity is? How do you know what your gifting is? And I love what Jeff said, and it sounds simplistic, but it's so true. You only really know who you are the more you come to know Jesus. You really are who you are through Jesus' eyes. Is that right? You can't sit there and make yourself be, I can't be Robert, you know. I, I know I can't be Jeff, you know. Yeah. We can only be ourselves. And, we're, we, and each, one of us, each one of us has such a unique role to play when we look at what somebody else is doing and we can celebrate it, but to begin to get jealous or envious of it when maybe that isn't what God has wired you for and only by drawing near to him can you figure out who you are. That's beginning and end. It's just literally that simple. But then Robert or Jeff tortured us. And I, I had a sense of dread. He, he started a session by saying, okay, we're going to just be silent for 15 minutes. Seven. Oh, it felt like 15. No. <laughs> we're going to be silent for seven minutes. And at first I thought, oh, man, this is going to be a long seven minutes. And then I quieted down. And then I was just enjoying it. And it's like, oh, it's not going to be long enough. It was weird how it transitioned. And by the way, I'm saying this very intentionally. How often do you quiet yourself down to listen, to be present? And you know what the Lord told me? It was the sweetest thing. He said, you are not your sin. You are my righteousness and holiness. And my first thought was, God, you got the wrong guy. I'm aware of my sin. I'm aware of the areas where I'm not walking in obedience. But that isn't what the Lord sees. It's just remarkable. And we've been hearing the message from Marilyn. We've been hearing it in the worship time. We've been hearing it from Nico. You know, what does love got to do with it? Can we receive what he wants to say over us? And by the way, I said that over and over again. It was him saying it over me. And now, Lord, I am not my sin. Lord, I am your righteousness 
I am your holiness on the earth, expressing your love through me. And Lord, that is my identity, that is my destiny, in Jesus' name, amen. Something happened when we talked about sin nature. Something broke inside of me. And I want to tell you that even the term, when you think, it, what, is, what was your next thought? Oh, I have a sin nature. That means I have a nature to sin, a bent towards sin. I'm inclined. I'm drawn that way. My flesh is irresistibly drawn. Well, but you can relate to that. You can feel, well, don't, don't, aren't there times I know I want to be disobedient? But that doesn't mean it's your nature. For those that are in Christ, you now have a totally new nature, right? A nature that is inclined to love, inclined to righteousness. It's easier. Sin gets harder and harder. So if this is true, then I, I want to be able to embrace it, and I want to grow in it, and I want to understand what sin is and what sin isn't. Hmm. So the Lord gave me revelation on a verse this week that all, everything is all coming together. It's the strangest thing. 2 Corinthians 7.10. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation, but the sorrow of the world produces death. There's godly sorrow, and there's ungodly sorrow. And by the way, there's a sorrow that's appropriate. We just celebrated the life of Deanne, and many people's hearts were broken, and many people are going to be grieving for a period of time, and there's no sin in that. There's nothing wrong with that. But the world only knows a kind of sorrow where there is no consolation. There isn't a hope in it, and it just brings about death, a dead spot in your brain, if you will. But this is talking about something else. There is a sadness, there is a sorrow over your sin, over your disobedience, that according to the will of God, it can produce change. It can produce repentance without regret. There is no shame. There is no condemnation. There is no guilt. So here's the heart of it, guys. Are there areas in your life? And if you pray and ask God to show you, if, if you agree with Psalms 59, search me, O God, and know my heart, and let me see it, he will show you areas where you have regret or you feel powerless, or victimized, or that sin is affecting you, right? Um, and if that's true, and I have those areas, I've been asking the Lord about them, and he's been talking to me about some of them specifically, and you know what? I'm no longer satisfied to live in regret. I'm no longer satisfied to live under shame. I've now, this verse has given me this hope that, wait a minute, these areas of sadness, when, when I just focus on my sin and woe is me and how powerless I am, guess who's on the throne of my heart? I'm focusing on me. Even when it's like, oh, I feel so sad about this area of struggle that I have, God. Oh, God, forgive me. I'm actually worshiping that area of brokenness. I'm focusing on me 
instead of on him, if that makes sense. So let's, let's, let's clarify just a couple of quick things, get some terminology down. Um, I'm not even going to read that. I, I looked up sin, and, and in the NIV I looked it up. And so the, the verse is Romans 7.25, that's kind of the classic verse. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I, myself, in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sin nature, a slave to the law of sin. So that term, sin nature, is actually the word flesh. And in the Greek, the word is uh, sarkos. So it, sarkos means skin, flesh and bones, right? It, the literal kind of thing. But it also is your material nature, your physical nature. It implies that in your physical nature there is weakness, frailty, and imperfection, both physically and morally. Now this is really interesting because Jesus had flesh. Remember the, the great sermon he preached, Honey, I shrank the church, eat my flesh, drink my blood, right? and then everybody bugs out. And then he asks his disciples, well, you're going to leave too. And what did they say? Where can we go? You have the words of life, right? Well, he was referring to his flesh, which in one mindset, it's not innately sinful. Did Jesus have frailty, weakness, or imperfection in his body or morally? Did he? No. So he, he didn't have those areas Although he was tempted in every way, but sin couldn't find anything in him. Um, before we get into this, uh, I do know all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Amen? Is that true? Do we live in a sinful, broken world? Does sin affect us? And because we live in a broken world, have we sinned? Yes, of course. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all have sinned. Miko made an astonishing point here. What I have always heard is, through one man, sin entered me. Is that what it says? No, sin entered the world. And then we are affected in, by that sin. And it causes weakness in our flesh, imperfection and frailty, because we're surrounded by sin. And you know, you know James 1.13, it says that you know, there's sin, the enemy comes, and then it's because of the lust or uh, our weakness that we're enticed by sin. That's an interesting concept. It's because of my own weakness and frailty and imperfection that sin, uh, the desire to sin, has some influence in me. Uh, but wait a minute, we need to also look at what is actually sin. And we talked about it in Jeff's class a little bit. You know, that you can call it evil, you can call it all these different things, but in reality, in the simplest definition, sin is just disobedience. Right? What did Adam and Eve do in the garden? They disobeyed the word that God gave them. And through that one act, sin came sweeping in with its crushing influence but Jesus died to break that power over the world and over you and me. 
Hmm. I, man, I just so, I so, I, I know myself personally, and I know many people here, and I'm not going to out you, and I'm not going to do a raise your hands, but I know so many people who've walked with the Lord for so long, and they still feel inadequate. They still feel, I'm weak, I'm broken, I'm sinful, you know, how could God love me? And I hear it over and over again from people who absolutely astonish me, but including myself. When I let the enemy come and torment me with areas of my disobedience, of my lack of obedience, I shift the focus, and, and then it becomes more and more of who I am and not just even what I do. Um, I, I want us all to get free from that. I want us... To, to understand the nature of even the battle that we're in. Huh. Hmm. I've just, I've seen so many themes as I was studying this out that it really began to affect me. So let me, let me go to the champion verse. Let me go to the, the heart of it, the very core. I want to read a little bit of a larger passage because it contains the nature of the victory that we have and how to live in it. And it's Romans chapter 8. And, but what's really interesting as I've been praying and digesting around this and trying to let God do heart work in me, um, the following verses connect so well. Romans 8 says, Therefore there is now, now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What is condemnation? That sense of I'm doomed. I'm condemned. I'm no good. I am sin. I am wrong. I'm not lovable. All of those things are entwined in that sense of I'm walking to the gallows and I deserve it. But in Christ, all of that has been broken. The power of sin and death over the world, but also the power of your flesh. The enticement that the enemy would try to lead you into disobedience. Jesus had the same flesh, and he is birthing that in us, setting us free. So there's no condemnation in Christ for the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit for those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who are <coughs> according to the spirit the things of the spirit uh, do uh, oh, let me read it again but those who are according to the spirit the things of the Spirit. That's what you set your mind on. For the mind set on flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit of life, uh, this, uh, set on the Spirit is life and peace. Hmm. Hmm. Is this connecting? Is, is anybody able to sense an area you need a breakthrough? Do you know you struggle with either self-doubt or self-hatred or an area that you feel stuck and powerless? 
Um, I want to begin myself personally to keep a journal and to write down and have a brave heart and say, Lord, okay, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. I, I want him to begin to reveal those and now with a whole different attitude, not to feel bad, not to come under any condemnation, but to actually do it with an expectation the Lord's going to set me free. And I'm going to be able to walk in a lighter, purer, joyful area, in new areas in my life, that I also will have authority to bring breakthrough into other people's lives. It's that simple. I've obsessed for quite some time about the difference between condemnation and conviction. The intention of the enemy to just come kill, steal, and destroy, right? He just comes anything he can do to make you feel small and powerless and rob you. But, and I've said it years ago, but I realize I haven't been able to walk in the fullness of it. I don't want to give the enemy one more moment of condemnation. I don't want to walk in it anymore. I, it's a waste of time. It's, and by the way, there is no redemptive value in allowing yourself to just feel ashamed. You know, it isn't just turning your heart toward the Lord. And actually, was it you, Cheryl, that talked about, wait a minute, what do you mean? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. That's it? Is that all it really takes? What, was that you? That's, uh, yeah, it so cracked me up. What, a, what an amazing deal. I just don't do it enough. I just don't take the time to quiet myself and let God search me. And, and even the book, um, Switch on Your Brain, touches on this in such a beautiful way. Guys, there are dead-end areas in our brains of thinking where every time you think about it, you know, Lori swatting the, the, the flank of the back of a horse and the horse kicking her sister and breaking her jaw. That was, well, that really happened. So I have regret. I have shame. For years, Lori carried that, and it had such a power. And then uh, Bruce and Becky was amazing. She got together with them, and, well, what was the sin? What did you do wrong? Well, I swatted the horse, and I knew I shouldn't have, and my sister. And she's, no, actually, you disobeyed your parents, is what they said. Can you repent? Because your parents told you, don't swat the horse, because it makes them buck. Can you repent for disobeying your parents? And the minute she did that, the power of that broke. Right? And even there, that example, it was disobedience toward a parent. You know, isn't it amazing that it's all over the Bible, several places, I love it, where it says, be angry and do not sin. Are you guys experts at being angry? Are you really good at being angry? You should be. There's a way to be angry that's healthy. If somebody is hurting your children and you don't get angry and protect your child, there's something off in you. Would you agree? Anger is not the sin. But when you do get angry, sin is crouching at the door and it wants you. You know, you can be enticed to not do a loving act. And then problems arise. So it says, be angry and do not sin. Anybody, could you look up the verse, Miko, if it's on your phone, that says, love and do not sin? Where is that verse? That doesn't exist. So if sin is actually just simply disobedience, then 
it actually is disobedient from love because God is love. So when we learn to love, we're not even in the ballpark of sin. We're not inclined towards. It's not even an impulse in us. And it really is the love of God that we allow to come in, like Marilyn was saying, that breaks the very power, even over our flesh. I know now the power of sin and death is gone. So, I, boy, I, I, is it just me? Did, did anyone, when you heard that, that you don't have a sin nature, did it help you in some way? Did you wait? Wait a minute. I thought I did. I thought I was my sin. You know, we've got to get so free of that. Um, there's a John Eldridge book from a n- number of years ago, uh, Wake, Waking the Dead. And uh, man, I was reading a chapter in that. See how long this battle has been for me? It's amazing. And I really do feel like I'm finding a whole new level of freedom. And you guys hold me accountable. You know, if I just like whoop, recede back into the, I'm not satisfied to let the enemy torment me any longer. Come on, that's a good declaration. I, I hope you can make that declaration too. But I was reading Waking the Dead and there's a chapter in there and the, the heading of the chapter was basically, you have a good heart. What's your reaction to that? Honestly, just give me some feedback. When you hear, you have a good heart, what's your next thought? Anyone? What? The, the heart is deceitful and wicked. Yeah, that was my first thought also. Anyone else? You have a good heart. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. You're working in me. Yeah. So when I thought, when I heard you have a good heart, I read the chapter and I realized none of it got in. I couldn't have told you what I had just finished reading. And I thought, wait, okay, I'm going to really concentrate. Let me read that chapter again. And I read it again. I was on a plane, by the way. Are you closer to God at 30,000 feet? I think you might be. Yeah. Because I always become so reflective when I'm up there staring down at the ants you know, the, in the households. So, you know, I'm at 30,000 feet. I read it a second time. Nothing. The, the concept could not get in. Finally, I was just like, now I'm mad. And I read it a third time, and I still couldn't get it. Because that vow was so strong, the heart is deceitfully wicked, and who can know it? Well, God already knows it. You know, that's good news. They're talking about two different hearts. Your flesh, of course, you're not supposed to love your flesh. In fact, that's part of what's happening in me. God, I'm not just mad at myself now. I'm not even mad at the sin that came into the world and did all this. I'm mad at my flesh. I hate any area of frailty or weakness. Jesus, heal it in me. So when you got saved, you got a whole brand new heart. You got a whole new spirit. You got a good heart. And we either learn to live out of that place or we keep swimming around. And, you know, when you repent, don't send your forwarding address, you know? Move on from there and stay moved on from there. You know, I didn't even finish the thing about sarcos. I love this. Um, sarcos, flesh, has, you know, skin and bones. It implies that weakness, but it's the opposite. It's, verse, it's um, verses 
the spiritual nature. So we have a material nature, and then we have a spiritual nature, and it is intangible, and it is the word Miko was talking about, pneuma, the spirit. So what overcomes the flesh? The spirit. We learn to live by the Spirit, and we also walk by the Spirit. And the Spirit, that new heart that God has given us, if we focus on that, it contains already the power to no longer desire disobedience toward what God has spoken over us and to walk in the law of love and be empowered in those areas. I was a little bit afraid of this. It's like, I don't know if this, this is my green growing edge. Sometimes when I speak out of things that are new, I worry that I don't have that deep deposit of faith that might make it easier for you to receive. So this was all, it's Jeff's fault, and it's, it's the men's group's fault. But I, I have a, a hope now of truly getting set free. Can you feel that? Has this message brought any kind of a sense of like, okay, I'm done with areas of repentance where it continually leads me back to regret and to shame. That is not what God has for me any longer. And by the way, I'm not going to try to overcome it by ignoring it or denying it or minimizing it. I'm going to overcome it by embracing it, but looking for the fruit that the Spirit is in it and not my flesh. Do you want to get sensitive that way too? Do you want to know at a heart level and a response level the difference between the enemy coming to condemn and the Holy Spirit coming to convict? Come on, we can get set free. The more we embrace, and you'll know if it's conviction because you will have sorrow with hope. You will have sorrow that will lead to salvation, that will lead to life. That's a good word. And I'm 63 years old. I can't believe there are still layers and levels, but there always will be. We just need to make, you know, we've, we've set a goal for ourselves of becoming exactly, identically like the only perfect person who ever lived. Well, that's going to take a few weeks, people, you know. So we shouldn't feel so bad when we feel bad, but we need to learn how to turn our hearts toward him and embrace that kind of sorrow, that sadness that has the hope, the ring of the Spirit in it. Amen? Yeah. So let's take just a quick moment. Um, not seven minutes, but let's, uh, let's take a moment and pray that prayer. You know, search me, O God. Know my heart and ask him if there is an area where you have felt powerless against an area of disobedience, an area of weakness, of frailty in your own life, and ask the Lord to give you the hope of victory over that. So let's, let's just be quiet for a moment.
So now just take that area before the Lord. And I think the freedom that is so elusive to us, the reason it's hard for us to allow his love to come is that we feel that we are that sin. If you do it, you are it. And that's a lie. So I would just encourage you, hold that area in your life and say, I am not that sin. I am the righteousness and the holiness of God. You're not a sinner saved by grace. You literally are a saint. You're a beloved son and daughter. And coming out of that identity, you have more authority, more power than you can possibly imagine to overcome any area of weakness or frailty because you're connected to Jesus. It's his righteousness in you. Your destiny, your identity is love. To only do those things to, to love others and to love yourself and to love God. That is who you really are. And I would just say it's time for us to all start to live that way. So, Father, we thank you so much that you are so faithful and just to forgive us when we just ask, when we just bring an area before you. Help us believe it bigger than we ever have before. I just come against besetting sins, tormenting sins, bad habits, the limp that we had from walking in the flesh, that, Jesus, you're healing it all because of your commitment for us to see ourselves through your eyes. Oh, for us to love the way that you loved and help us not focus on the sin, but focus on the love that sets us free. Oh. Thank you, Jesus, for making it possible for the fact that we're not, we don't have a sin nature, a nature to sin any longer. We have a nature to love. You broke the power of sin and death. And there are areas in my life I haven't let that power come in. And today I am dissatisfied. I don't want it to continue. Any area of disobedience in me, come and reveal it and break it for your glory that I can love you with my whole heart and love my neighbor even as myself. Set us free in the freedom you died for each one of us to have. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.